Today, we're going to continue in our series, Planted, that Pastor Todd kicked off last week. Last week, Pastor Todd talked about being firmly planted, and he taught this. Three things. He said, you must develop a strong dependency on God's word. He said, you must protect the seed of God's word in your heart. And then finally, you must surrender in a personal way to the God of the word. You know, in his second point about protecting the seed of God's word in your heart, this comes from the parable that Jesus told in Matthew 13 about the farmer who was planting seeds in different types of soils. So, of course, Pastor Todd broke down what the first type of soil was and how we needed to guard our hearts so the enemy doesn't come and steal the seed. Today, I'm going to read Jesus' explanation of all four of the soils in this parable, and then we're going to dive into uh, the second type of soil. So if you have your Bible, if you're on the app, you want to follow along. If not, it'll be up on the screen. Matthew 13, verses 18 through 23. This is Jesus speaking. He's explained the parable he just told. He said this. <clears throat> now listen to the explanation of the parable about the former planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. The evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. <clears throat> Excuse me. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest 30, 60, and even 100 times as much has been planted. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is the seed that, that you were speaking of in this parable, Lord God. And I pray that today, Lord, I believe we plowed up the grounds of our heart in worship. And so now, Lord, as, as, as I sow seeds, Lord God, may we all, Lord God, uh, produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold as we hear the word today. But every day as we read the word, Lord God, as we get into your word and study the word, may today, Lord God, this fruit, Lord God, just continue to produce and, and it would be lasting fruit. Holy Spirit, help me, Lord God, to, to explain your word and help all of us to receive it and most importantly to apply it in Jesus name we pray amen so of course the seed is the word of God as I just mentioned the various souls represents different kinds of hearts and the varied results show the different responses to the word of God Jesus explained this parable so there's no doubt of its meaning so again, the second type is what we're going to look at, the rocky saw, which represents those that heard the word. Immediately they heard it and they said, yes, great, I received the gospel, I received the message of salvation, I got it, I received the word of God. But he says, since they didn't have deep roots, they didn't last long. They fall away as soon as problems or persecution comes. See, if we're not deeply rooted in God's word and our relationship with him, we won't last long and will fall away at the first sign of trouble. This morning, I want to give you three ways to ensure longevity in your relationship with the Lord. See, this, the, the rest of it, again, this builds on this. So I'm calling this, um, this message the root of the issue. The root of the issue is not having deep roots. Number one, 
the first thing we must do is we must expand the depths of our roots. Because I love this. I love the way the New Living says it. He didn't just say you got to be rooted. He said because they didn't have deep roots. That's very important. And we're going to dive into that. Again, in verse 23, he said, I'm sorry, Matthew 13, 21. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last. See, the truth of God's word must take root in our heart. It must be cultivated like any regular plant and permitted to bear fruit. Again, it not, must not only have roots, but have deep roots. Last week, Pastor Todd read this verse, Psalm 92, 12 and, and 14. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. Now, palm trees and cedars were common trees back then in that area of the world. But in Louisiana, the oak tree is very common, right? So I decided this morning I'm going to use the oak tree to illustrate what Jesus was saying, right? Because he's, he's talking about any tree or any plant that doesn't have deep roots. You know, at my house, I have two big, beautiful oak trees um, right in my front yard. And that's part of why I'm inspired to talk about the oak tree as well. I don't have palm trees or cedars at my house. I got two beautiful oak trees. So I thought, man, as I started studying, I said, let me read up a little bit and, 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 and see uh, what really happens with the, the uh, roots of an oak tree. Because I know they're huge. I mean, I weeded around them. I just weeded around them yesterday. They're, they're all over in our yard and, and whatnot, really big roots. So I read up a little bit about the oak tree's roots, and it gives us some insight. Again, Brother Francis Borg always told me that if you learn, you know, uh, agriculture or horticulture, you'll understand the Bible better. So when Jesus said you must have deep roots, let's, let's look at the oak tree, for example. This configuration of underground tentacles is the source of health or illness for the tree, and when winds buffet the tree, it serves as an anchor. Come on, somebody. The root system of a mature oak tree can total hundreds of miles. An oak's chief support, the taproot, grows vertically for some distance before branching out. Listen to this. At the beginning of an oak's life, when an acorn first sprouts, most of its energy is spent on root development with little growth above ground. The initial root is the taproot, which grows deep underground, seeking a dependable supply of moisture. Once this is accomplished, great foliage and branch growth can begin. You see, when I first started thinking about my oak tree, because I can see those roots, those actually aren't the deep roots at all. Those are the ones that expand. But when an oak tree first starts, the first root that ever grows is the tap root, and it spends the most energy going down first, and it goes deep to try to find a supply of moisture so the tree can grow. So first of all, deep roots serve as an anchor in the storm, Right? Anchors in the storms of life. One, going back to my oak trees, I'm very thankful. When my wife and I first moved in that house, and she prayed that we would have trees at our house, and we not only have oaks, we have a pecan tree, a persimmon tree. Brother Francis Borg came plant us a fig tree. And so she she prayed we'd have that. But, you know, when hurricanes get to blowing around here, and you got a, two big trees right in front of your house and some branches hanging over, you know, it, it made the missus a little nervous. But I remember even telling her that back then. I said, you know, the way I look at it is these oak trees have been here a long time and they withstood a lot of storms before we got here. So it brings me comfort. They're going to be able to withstand a lot more, right? And this is the reason why. Because they have deep root systems. See, the more we are rooted in God's word in the relationship with him, church, we're going to be able to withstand any storm. Listen to me. Any storm in life. But we must be deeply rooted. 
Second, at the beginning of an oak's life, and this was very interesting, again, most of his energy is spent on root development. Now, this is important, with little growth above. The initial root grows deep on the ground. Once that happens, once the roots grow deep on the ground, then the foliage and the branches can grow. This is very interesting because I think spiritually, some people have it backwards. When we first give our lives to Christ or when we first start, you know, walking with the Lord and getting the word of God in us, I think sometimes we focus on outward behavior before we focus on being deeply rooted. Amen. And so it's important, Jesus said, the reason why they didn't last long is because they didn't have deep roots. See, if we try it this way, church, we're ultimately trying to produce fruit in our own strength. We're trying to do it on our own. And this is why the prophet Jeremiah used the illustration, again, that Pastor Todd shared last week. And I'm going to read it again. Jeremiah 17, 5 and 8. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in humans, mere humans, and who rely on human strength. And turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. What is that? That won't last long. No hope for the future. They will live in barren wild- in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited salty land. But blessed are those who put their trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. Listen to this. They are like trees planted along a riverbed with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. So you see that? There's a great picture here with any tree. And it goes back to what Jeremiah prophesied. If we don't have deep roots, we're not going to withstand storms. We won't last long. And if we try to focus on like, okay, I got to change my behavior. I got to go to church. I got to dress a certain way. I got to look a certain way. I was talking to a brother yesterday and, and I was like just asking him, hey man, when y'all coming back to church? And he said, well, I'm not sure. And one of the things he said, he's like, man, I hadn't got a haircut in a while. And I know I can't wear a hat to church. I said, you can wear a hat to church. He said, I can. I said, absolutely, man. I said, look, it's, I mean, you know, Cassie told me later, he's like, yeah, his mama might not think the same thing, you know, like, you know, but, you know, it's not about how we dress. And I mean, yeah, you know, you don't want to walk in here like a slob. I get it. But you know what I'm saying? It's not about how we look and how we act. Eventually that comes. But it's about getting, you know, deeply rooted in the word and in your relationship with the word. Because if not, we start trying to change those things on the outside. It's going to be fake anyway. It's going to be fake. We're just trying to act Christian. We're trying to act godly, but it's not coming from the deep-rooted system that we're connected to the Lord, but Jesus said we should be. Having deep roots in the Word means you study the Word, you believe the Word, you trust in the Word, and you faithfully apply it. At the end of this parable, he says you cling to the Word. I'm going to talk about that in two weeks. The good soil, when he says you cling to the Word, that's part of, of, of having your deep roots in the Lord. See, I love this too, and I love that word. I'm camping out on going deep because, you know, this is not the only place Jesus talked about going deep, not only in the word, but in our relationship with him and in everything. It's not shallow. We were never meant to live in the shadow, you know, in the shallow. The Bible says deep cries out to deep. Amen. We're supposed to desire a deep, intimate connection with the Lord through his word, by his spirit, through worship and prayer. Look at Luke 6, 46 and 48. Jesus is using another illustration and he uses the same terminology. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, that's his word, and then follows it. What's it like? It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. 
When the floodwaters rise and break against the storm, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house without a foundation. When the flood swept down against the house, it collapses into a heap of ruins. You see that? Jesus uses the analogy again, we have to go deep. He uses a building here, and we all know, or most of you should know, especially if you look at skyscrapers, the higher the building, the deeper the foundation has to go, right? You have to start, a lot of times, we, you know, we don't, again, you don't see the building going up because they're working on the foundation. I remember even, I love it, I was reading it again, where Jesus says when the uh, disciples had came in, a couple of them were fishing all night, and they didn't catch anything, Jesus said, pull back out and throw the nets into the deep side. There's always this three times Jesus talks about this. We have to go deeper with him. So we see Jesus uses two different illustrations. We must go to him, listen, and read his teaching and follow him in a deep relationship. Let me sum it up with saying this. The word of God in your relationship with him has to be your lifeline. It can't be something that we do flippantly. The word of God in our relationship with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, it has to be our lifeline. It, it has to be something that we are deeply, deeply rooted in. You know, as I was saw my mouth trees just recently, my wife, she rearranged our furniture in our, in our living room. And so, you know, in my chair where, you know, uh, if you know me, you know, I like to rock. Even my father-in-law told me if I'm sitting when I'm doing these live prayers and I'm sitting stationary, eventually I start rocking as I'm praying. I'm a rocker. You probably see it while I'm worshiping. I just, I love to rock. And so, of course, that's where I sit to read, to pray, to watch TV, to visit, whatever I'm doing. So my chair used to face, and I would look out the window of the dining room. So now she, she rearranged the, the furniture. So now I'm looking right at one of my big oak trees. And so all this week, when I get up in the morning, just as the sun's coming up and I'm reading my Bible and I'm praying, I start watching some squirrels in my trees and I start even, you know, start patterning them. I see they coming out right before seven o'clock every day. You know, it's just pretty cool. Well, I begin to think about that. I begin to think about the tree. And the deep roots, just like we have to have the word of God as a lifeline, a real tree, there's squirrels that live in there. There's birds that live in there, right? And this is, the tree is a part of their lifeline, right? That's where they shelter for a, a, a squirrel. That's where they eat, right? You know, even insects live there. You know, but, but unlike water oaks, who, if you, you've never noticed, don't have deep roots, they can't restrain much withstand much storms because they don't have a strong root system. You ever know that? If you ever had a water oak, if you've seen them, they just topple right over and they're because they don't have a deep root system. You know, once these trees fall over, not only does the tree die, but no other animal can live there or take shelter in it. And I begin to think about this. Just like us, if we don't last long in our faith, if we don't have a, a deep root system, not only do we die spiritually, but we can't help anyone else around us and fulfill our purpose. Come on, somebody. So it's vitally important that we tap in, that we have a deep root system with the Lord, through his word, through our relationship with him. There's one more interesting thing that I read about an oak tree's root system, and it goes along with this. It says this. It said, when two trees of the same species grow side by side, they can even share root systems that have grafted together. So what does that mean? We need to have relationship with others who are rooted in the word so we can grow up together. Amen? That's why church, that's why life groups, that's why next steps is so important that you got to get connected with somebody that you almost grafted, so to speak, spiritually as you rooted together in the word of the Lord. Amen. Number two, 
Number one, expand the depths of your roots. Number two, make sure your faith is not a fad. Make sure your faith is not a fad. Look what Jesus said. I'm going to read it in Luke now. Look at the parable in Luke 8, 13. The seeds on the rocky saw represents those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while. Then they fall away when they face temptation. If we don't have a deep root system, our faith won't last. Look at Luke 8, 13. I like the way the message says it. And this is where I really where I got this point from. The seeds in the gravel are those who hear with enthusiasm, but the enthusiasm doesn't go very deep. It's only another fad. And the moment there's trouble, it's gone. See, last week, Pastor Todd asked us the question. He said, well, first he said, put your total faith and trust in the word of God. Then he said, do you believe it? Do you believe the Word of God? I'm going to ask you the question again. Do you believe it? Do you believe the Word of God? That's great. What Jesus said, we must continue to believe. You know, again, the, the, the person that gets the prize in a race is not the person that starts strong or that keeps pace for most of the race. It's the person that finishes the race strong, right? It's the same with us. we got to be deep-rooted because if not, every storm of life, everything will, will rock our faith. We'll, 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 we'll eventually abandon our faith. Or we start doubting. Well, man, if this is, if this is God, why is all this stuff happening to me? If God really loves me, why is this thing? If God's the God of love, if He's watching over me, if all those scriptures y'all, y'all preach and that I've read and that I've heard is true, your, your faith will begin to get rocked. If you have a deep root system, you can stand there and say, man, I don't know why all this is happening, but I know God is still good. He's for me and He loves me and He's on my side. Amen. I wish I can theologically explain away why tragedy happens and certain things happen, but I can't. But I'm okay with that. I'm all right with saying, I don't know why God allows these things or these crazy things, but I know that I know that I know that God loves me. He's for me. He has a plan for me and you, and that goes for all of us. And I only know that because I've been for almost 18 years now trying to just continue to dig my roots in to the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, he says, if you don't have deep roots, you won't last long. Go back to my two big oak trees. I had some some guys uh, come trim up my trees when I first moved there. They actually come twice. And I asked them, I said, hey, do you know about how um, how old these these two oak trees are? And they could they actually check it by when you cut a branch. They could look at the rings in the tree to see how, how old it is. So he figured that one of my trees is about around 80 years old, which I guess now would be 90 because that was when I first moved there 10 years ago. And then the other one would be around 70 years old. Or actually, yeah, it would be around around 90 and 70 years old. So again, I begin to think, as I said earlier, it brought my wife comfort, it brought me comfort. These oak trees have such a deep root system that they're able to last that long. You're pushing a 100 years now. How many storms have these trees seen? How many, you know, they've lasted because of their root system. The deeper your roots go, the longer you'll last and the stronger you'll be in trying times, which leads me to my last point. The third and final thing is we need to persevere through problems and persecution. We must expand the depths of our roots. We must make sure that our faith is not a fad. And number three, we must persevere through problems and persecution. Look at what Jesus said again, Matthew 13, 21. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last. They fall away as soon Listen to this. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. See, in this parable, 
the sun, like the physical sun, represents persecution that comes specifically, specifically because of the word of God, because we believe the word of God and we try to live by it. So the good news is persecution, as we see in the early church, can grow believers. But going back in the natural world, we all know that sunlight could actually kill a plant if it doesn't have deep roots, right? Isn't that right? If you don't have a good root system, it could actually be harmful. So these three build on each other. Deep roots produce strong and lasting faith, and strong and lasting faith produces perseverance. You know, I believe if you're in here and been a believer any amount of time, or if you're listening out there, we've all probably faced some form of persecution for believing or, 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 or living by the Word of God. It may not be like others in other countries. Like I saw Miss Chloe posted the other day that they just released, a, uh, uh, I forgot what country it was, but a pastor like seven months was locked up, I think, in India, if I'm not mistaken, and they, they released them. I mean, that's, that's some hardcore persecution. But all of us has faced some form of persecution, especially as our society continues to, to move forward. You've probably been told or heard things like this. Man, the Bible's for weak-minded people. You ever heard that one? I heard that right when I got saved. Or it's outdated. Man, that's an old book. The culture's changing, man. The, the book's outdated. Or half of those stories are not even possible. When they talk about the flood and, oh, there wouldn't even be enough. Scientists say there's not even enough, you know, water in the atmosphere. They don't read far enough to see that springs came up out of the earth. Or, you know, a whale swallowing Jonah and, and keeping them, you know, in there for all this. I mean, it, these things, those are just mythical, just made up stories. It's just analogies. I like how one pastor said it. Pastor Joe Stocksdale, he said, man, look. The word of God is true. If the Bible told me that Jonah swallowed the whale, I would have believed it, he said. And I love that. But, you know, we all, we all face some form of, even if it's just verbal, some form of persecution because in this day and age with people that are enlightened, the scientists with all the stuff we have, we, we, we face some form of persecution because we believe the word. You must purpose in your heart to persevere through these persecutions in any problem that you face. Sometimes they work hand in hand. You may be getting persecuted, ridiculed, made fun of. Maybe some people have even, I've heard people that have left denominations and, 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 and become non-denominational or begun a born again, become a born again Christian and, and their family turns their back on them or, or whatnot. You must persevere. You know, again, we look at Jesus as the example. As I was reading through uh, the book of Luke again, look at Luke 13, 22. And this is when Jesus is going through his public ministry. I love this. It says, Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he went, always pressing on towards Jerusalem. He was always pressing on. He was persevering on to his final destiny and purpose of why he came. You know, we know Jesus was persecuted all through his ministry years. But he was always pressing on. You know, and to give this, this verse context, right before this, just a few verses before, Jesus had healed a woman in, in, in the uh, temple, and there was a, a, a leader of the synagogue or in the synagogue, and he was indignant because Jesus had healed this lady. He was persecuted for doing something amazing for this lady, yet he persevered. I mean, think about how discouraging that is. He's going around helping poor people, healing the sick, healing the lame, loving on people. You know, I mean, and, and he's getting persecuted for it, for doing good. And I, I remember one time he, he told one of the Pharisees that. He said, I've done all this. For, which one of them are you going to stone me for? You know, so we got to know, again, if, if, if that's the case with Jesus, it's going to be the, the same with us. But we got to persevere through it all. I love James 1.12. And I shared a little bit of this about a month ago. 
Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. We will have trials and we will have to persevere. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Blessed is the man and woman who perseveres under trials. We're going to have trials. We're going to be persecuted specifically for the word. We're going to have problems in our lives. But there's a great promise. It's not even for this life. It's for eternal life. Blesses the man that perseveres, for he will receive the crown of life when the Lord, that the Lord promises to those who love him. I, I want to read the definition of perseverance again. I love it. It says this, steady, persistent in a belief, course of action, a purpose, a state, etc., especially in spite of difficulties, obstacles, and discouragement. Sounds like trials, right? Continuance in a state of grace and to the end, leading to eternal life. That's what biblical perseverance is. No matter what trials we face, no matter what persecution we come against, we see the end result. I believe you'll see some fruit on this side of heaven, on this earth. But eventually, he says that, you know, part of it, and it's not by works, don't, don't, don't get it, don't, don't understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying you have to persevere through everything and make it through heaven. That's part of us being able to persevere and receive eternal life. We know we trusted in Jesus for that, but that's part of the blessing. You know, it reminds me, and I, some of you maybe heard this story, but I, I was, we were telling this to our children again the other, uh, the other night. Our kids love hearing stories about when me and Cassie first, you know, got together and were friends and began courting and then, you know, eventually got engaged and got married. So I was, I was telling this story. Actually, my niece was here as well, um, uh, was staying with us that weekend, and we were talking about it. And when we got married, we went to Hawaii for our honeymoon. And so we had a, a plan to go to a, we were on Kauai, one of the islands. We had a plan to go to a beach on every end of the island before the end of the week. So that was our plan. And so I had lived in Hawaii for a summer with my brother uh, a few years before, quite a few years before that. And so I knew that there was, you know, I had never been to this island, but knew there was different beaches. They looked different whatnot. So we had went to a couple of beaches. Finally, somebody told us about this incredible beach. And they said, man, you need to go to this beach. They told us where it was. This was even, I mean, it makes me sound old. This is only 16 years ago. It was before you had a cell phone where you could tap an address and go to it, right? So we got directions. And off of the main road, there was a sign. I forgot the name of the beach. But there was a sign off the main road and said, whatever beach, and it, it had an arrow. And we turned, and it literally was like, a, it was a dirt road in the middle of some cane fields. So we just begin to drive down this little dirt road and going down some cane fields. We driving and driving and driving. And we start, we, we, we going for a good little while, probably 15 minutes. And we finally see this other car coming. This car is about to pass us. And as he gets closer, he rolls the window down and he flags us down. And I could tell right away, this guy's upset. So I pull, I stop, roll my window down. And he's like, what are you, what are y'all doing? I said, well, we, we going to the beach. He said, there's no beach back there. I said, really? He said, no. I said, well, the sign of the road said so and so beach is back. He said, I know. But I'm telling you, I went all the way down this road, and there's no beach back there. He said, you might as well turn around right now. You're wasting your time. Dude acted like I told him there was a beach back there. He was mad, man. He's mad as a hornet. I'm like, all right, man. And he rolls up his window, and he, he leaves. So then we're just sitting there, and I look at Cassie, and I'm like, I mean, we're on our honeymoon. We're not on a time schedule. I mean, let's just go check it out. The sign said there's a beach, you know, maybe. It's like, so let's go. So we kept driving and driving. And I'm telling you, it probably took us a good 25 minutes. And then finally, the hill kind of went up a little bit. Now we're going uphill. And right when we got to the top, when it, the little hill crested, and we begin to come down the most beautiful beach that you've, you've seen. 
the most beautiful beach we had all that week. And there was only about four people on that beach. Matter of fact, we found out later it was the longest stretch of unbroken uh, up beach. I know it's not the right word, but uninhabited beach in the whole uh, island. Later, I began to think about that and thought, man, if we didn't keep going, if we would have let somebody else discourage us from getting there, we would have missed out on a great opportunity that we had for our honeymoon. Amen? So think about that, y'all. The road could be long. It could be bumpy and dusty. And you can travel for a while in life. And sometimes when you feel like, man, I've been through so much already, it starts going uphill now. It's like, oh, my goodness. How is it getting worse? It's going uphill. But I want to encourage you. If you persevere, when you get to the top of that hill and start coming down, it might not be on this side, but that beautiful beach in Hawaii, it's not going to be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed to us when we get to the other side. Amen? Amen. Why don't you bow your head with me? Let's go ahead and pray together. I just want to quickly recap. We must expand the depth of our roots in God's word and in his love. We need to make sure that our faith is not a fad and that we have lasting faith because of the root system. And we must persevere through problems and persecution. If we do this, we'll be victorious in this life here on earth and we will receive the crown of life. So what part of these do you need to pray about today? Maybe you just you start out and say, man, Brandon, you know, I've been a Christian for a while, but I feel like maybe I'm just kind of like the, the, those roots that are on the top of the ground, but I haven't gone deep. I want to pray for you today. Make a decision to go deep with the Lord. Come on, can we all pray? Just bow your head with me. Father, I pray whatever level we're at in our, in our walk with you, that we would go deeper, Lord, that we would make it a point to go deeper in our intimacy and relationship with you. We would go deeper into your word. It would not just be a, a routine to check off uh, something on our calendar, a quick five, 15 minutes, but Lord, we begin to dive into your word, study it, apply it, and cling to it like never before. Lord, I pray that we don't waver in our faith, that our faith would not be a fad, that when any problem comes, Lord, that we would not be, Lord God, doubting, or fearful or worry, but our faith would be strong and rooted in you. And finally, Lord, I know everybody in here has either gone through, is going through, or will go through some form of persecution, some trial, some problem in their life. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you help them to persevere through it. For those of us that have trusted in you, ultimately, the ultimate reward will be the crown of life. Now still with every head bowed and every eye closed and for everybody, even if you're watching at home, this is a promise to the believers, but you must first repent of your sin and turn to God. As I was reading through Luke, I just wanted to remind you again, please just nobody looking around. Those of you at home, if you're listening, just if you're doing something else, just pay attention real quick. Luke 13 and 3, this is Jesus' words. He said, you will perish too unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. See, repentance means to turn away from sin, and then you have to turn to God. And then two verses later, Jesus says, no, I tell you again, unless you repent, you will perish too. See, this is one of the things that that society and even some churches have, have tried to soften the blow that, oh, well, man, no, nobody's going to hell and all this stuff. Jesus says twice in just three verses that you will perish. And that word means eternally, unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. Listen, everyone has sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. And the wages of sin of death 
but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. If you're in here today or if you're watching online, if you say, Brandon, I've never turned to God. I don't know if my sins have been forgiven. I don't know if I've truly repented because confession and repentance is two different things. We can say I'm sorry, but we can dive right back into it day after day. I did that for years, but we need to repent. That means turn away from our sin for lifestyle and turn to God. Do you want to do that today? If you're at home today, if you're in this building, you say, Brandon, I need to repent of my sin, my sinful lifestyle, and turn to Jesus and ask him to forgive me. If that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand in here. And if you're at home, ma'am, I see your hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? If you're at home, you might even want to slip up your hand too. I can't see you, but just as a sign of surrender, anybody else? Ma'am, I see your hand. Thank you, Lord. I see your hand in the back over here. Thank you, Jesus. Right here in the front. Thank you, Lord. We're going to pray together right now. Just repeat the simple prayer after me. It's not the prayer, but it's, again, it's the faith and your heart to turn away, to repent and ask God to forgive you. Just say something like this. Lord Jesus, let's all pray together. Lord, I know that I've sinned, and I ask that you would forgive me of my sin. I make a decision today to repent, to turn away from sin, and to turn to you, Almighty Father. I ask you to forgive me, and I receive your forgiveness and the free gift of salvation. I make you my Lord and Savior. Now give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. Help me, Lord, to be deeply rooted in your word and in your love. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, God bless you. For those of you that raised your hands, God bless you. Hey, listen, there's a card in the pew right in front of you. We just found out that for, for months now, you couldn't see them, but you can now. It says, I made a decision. Do me a favor, fill out that card, bring it to the info center. If you're watching online, click on the connect card link and fill it out and let us know that you prayed that prayer for the first time. Or maybe it's been a long time and you needed to come back to the Lord and get deeply rooted. We want to pray for you. We want to give you a Bible. We want to help you along in this journey. Why don't you stand up with me? And I just want to pray a blessing over you as you go today. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for what you've done in this place. I thank you you allow us to be planted, Lord God, in your word. Let us all have that good soil in our hearts to produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. Lord, may you bless these as they go. Bless them and keep them. May your face shine upon them. Be gracious to them and give them peace. And all that they do, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless y'all. We love you guys. See you soon.